0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AcuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. A lot of ground to cover today. The final Marquette University Law School poll Um, Before the presidential election comes out in about 10 minutes or so, we'll give the analysis. There's another poll that is out there that was released earlier, which says that in Wisconsin, the prediction is that uh, President Trump is um, trailing, trailing Joe Biden by 17 points. Now, I, I, I think. President Trump is behind in Wisconsin, and I'm not sure it's going to be necessarily close. But 17 points, I, I think that strikes me as being an unreasonably large spread. We will see, you know, what the Marquette University Law School poll says, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Wagner 620 um, A couple different tweets. First of all, if you want to smile, and Lord knows – there's you know, we 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 need some smiles here by the way the stock market in the tank again the dow down 860 points the nasdaq down 375 that's a that's about a 3.2% decrease for both of them um it, it's just another bloodbath and there there's nothing particular that's causing it other than concerns about coronavirus and fears that there might be other you know massive shutdowns and things of the like it, it's nothing new and no new information that's driving you know what is going on but you know so you got that going on but if you want to smile and, and I, I lumped this in the category of who thought this was a good idea and it's one where you really have to see the the video um, Oregon, you know, is dealing with COVID-19 just like all the other states are. And apparently what they were trying to do is they were trying to convey the message as to how in the COVID-19 world you you could still participate in Halloween. Okay, so I get this. So an Oregon public official goes on on television, To update people on the number of new cases and the number of deaths, just like, you know, we have happened in Wisconsin on a regular basis. However, they decided, the lady decided, because it's Halloween and we're trying to convince people how you can celebrate Halloween, she goes on TV dressed as a clown. Claire Posh, M.D. She's dressed as a clown. She's sitting on TV. Dressed as a clown, delivering the news as to how how many deaths there's been, how there have been, and how how many um how many deaths there's been, and and how many people have contracted COVID and things of the like. It's it's sort of jarring, and you almost have to see it to understand that you know, like nobody was there. Now she's wearing her mask, or at least she does take her mask off to deliver some of the news, but it, it's sort of like okay, who thought it was going to be a good idea to go on television? dressed as a clown, delivering numbers like this. And if, if you want to see it, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Wagner 620 In addition, there's the latest from Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I I understand that there are people out there who just think that Dr. Fauci absolutely walks on water, never makes any mistakes, and, of course, we, we should have been paying more attention to him all along. And, and there, there is certainly an element of that. I have a lot of respect for, for Anthony Fauci, and there, there's no question that I think people should listen to the, the man's advice. At the same time, at the same time, I, I do think he suffers from overexposure, and it, it seems that... There's never an occasion where simply he's invited to be on television or whatever, and he he just goes, and he starts offering his opinions. And his opinions are oftentimes contradictory from stuff he said, like, a couple days earlier. And, And I'm not saying it's intentional or anything like that. It's just he's making predictions about the future. And and whenever we make predictions about the future, that's always subject to, well, I don't know, change, revision, different circumstances. So anyhow, he's doing an interview with with Australians. He's talking to somebody at the University of Melbourne, and, you know, he's discussing how... OK, the, the COVID-19 is getting worse and worse in the U.S., and, and that's fine. And then, you know, they say, well, when are things going to get back to normal? And he says, well, I, I think it, it will easily, um, not before the end of 2021 and maybe into 2022, before we have some semblance of, of norm- normality. And it's it's like, OK, maybe he believes that today. I, I don't think that's necessarily what he believed A week ago or two weeks ago, and it might not be what he believes two weeks from now, but he he feels compelled to to share this. And then, of course, what happens is people who who trust and believe him just completely and totally freak out because now he's saying, oh, you know, we're going to be looking, talk about pandemic fatigue. Now we're going to be looking at another year and a half of of this. And it just it's not helpful. And I guess my point is not that he should feel that he has to be muzzled or anything like that. But it's just every time you're invited to give an interview and to give a spontaneous opinion doesn't mean that you necessarily have to do it because people do listen and people do pay attention and people do kind of react to to this and and I wouldn't be surprised if three weeks from now circumstances change and Dr. Fauci is saying, No, I I think we're gonna be normal, you know, by by next spring or something. My only point is it's just not necessarily constructive and I do Although I respect him a lot and I do believe he knows his stuff, there are occasions when I I just wish he didn't feel compelled to voice every opinion that comes to mind on any particular day because it's not necessarily constructive. We don't know. When we're going to get back to, quote, normal. And it all depends on how soon we get a vaccine and and a lot of other things. And, and those are just so many unknowns that, you know, again, going on Australian TV and saying, well, I, I, we, we could be looking at this for another year and a half. All that does is. I don't know, make things like the stock market go down and frustrate people and contribute to the frustration that people have. And it may very well be true. But again, he could change his opinion on that two weeks from now as well, which makes you wonder, why do you feel compelled to voice that at this particular time? All right. Speaking of COVID-19, I admit I did not watch the world series last night uh the los angeles dodgers beat the tampa bay rays four games to two but the story isn't los angeles winning the story is what happened during the game and what happened
0: after the game we'll discuss in just a moment welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj
1: We'll double back when more numbers come out, but the Marquette Law School poll is just, it's just being released. This is the last one before the election, which is going to occur next Tuesday. Now, just to give you some perspective, and this is, this is perhaps a classic example of why, when we talk about polls, so many people don't believe them. And I'm not just talking about, you know, what happened in 2016. Okay, yesterday, to give you an idea, ABC News, Washington Post, they, they did a poll in Wisconsin. Presidential race. Their numbers among likely voters found Joe Biden at 57 percent and Donald Trump at 40 percent. They found a 17 point spread. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you, that's just not right <laughs> that's 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 just not right unless you're limiting the people that you are polling to i don't know folks in in downtown madison it's the state isn't a 17 point swing state in a presidential election now i i have i have no doubt by the way that i think joe biden is ahead at this point in time i'm sorry if people don't like to hear it that that's just the reality but but 17 points um, in a state that President Trump won four years ago, I don't I think people just look at these numbers and go, oh, my goodness. And the problem with some of these polls when they come out and they have these huge spreads that are there is they almost become self-fulfilling prophecies. If you're if, if you believe these polls and you look at it and Trump is your candidate, and you see, oh, my God, he's behind by 17 points. There, there's just no hope at, at at all. And then, of course, these pollsters never get held accountable because let's say the election rolls around and it's, I don't know, 50 to 46. All right. Which would still be substantial, but a six point spread. Well, then they just try to explain it by saying, oh, it, it was just a snapshot a week before the election and the election narrowed from 17 points to six. Well, that that doesn't happen. This it strikes me with all due respect to whoever's doing the poll for abc and for the washington post they're they're just they're wrong they're not even close there's got to be something wrong with the methodology and if it turns out that trump loses by 17 points i will be glad to go on the radio a week from today and say boy the abc news and washington post poll really got it but th- that's just not it doesn't make any sense. The number is just so incredibly out of whack that you would have thought somebody would have gone back and said something is wrong. Now, another indication of that is the Marquette University Law School poll. Now, here's the, the deal. Their last poll, which came out September 30th, it was between September 30th and October 4th, it had Biden 47%, Trump 42%, a five-point spread. Early September, it was Biden, 48, Trump, 44. Those numbers, four, five points, to me, they, they sound right. They make sense to me. So in the new Marquette University Law School poll, um, essentially, the, the spread is pretty much unchanged. Biden is the choice of 48 percent of likely Wisconsin voters Donald Trump is the choice of 43% libertarian. Joe Jorgensen supported by 2%. 8% gave no preference. So 48 to 43, which is consistent with the last poll, which was 47 to 42, and the one before that, which was 48-44. So in other words, the Marquette University Law School poll, which historically has been Kind of the gold standard for polls in Wisconsin, even though they've gotten it wrong, you know, recently, and they've gotten some stuff wrong recently. They've been showing a pretty consistent four to five point spread, which when when I see those numbers as somebody who's been around politics for a long time in Wisconsin, I look at those numbers and I say, yeah, I can see that. That does not strike me as being something that's particularly out of whack. Could it lower a little? Yeah. Could it go up a little? Yeah. Four or five points—that feels right to me. When I see ABC News and the Washington Post saying a seventeen-point spread, I'm here to tell you stuff like this. These outlandish numbers, like I say, are one of the reasons why I think some people are are reluctant to, you know, to to trust polls because those numbers are just completely, uh, again, whacked out what's going to happen, my guess is that, you know, you're going to see Republican voters who might be undecided. A lot of them are going to come home. And at the end of the day, they're going to end up voting for President Trump, which could lower the margin. You're also going to have people who sat out 2016 who are going to return to the polls, and and they might end up voting for, for Joe Biden. If, again, if Next Wednesday, we're talking about the election results, and we say four or five points. I'll tell you, that that doesn't strike me as being unreasonable. It doesn't strike me as being out of the realm of possibility. But when you see, like I say, 17-point spreads, it's one of the reasons why people appropriately, I think, don't believe pollsters, because something has to be wrong. Wisconsin... Wisconsin, even though it it might be getting ready to return to a blue state in the presidential battles, it's it's not going to be 17 points. It's just flat out almost nothing in Wisconsin ever is 17 points when it comes to a statewide election. Okay, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So, very glad to have you with us. <clears throat> kind of, some other interesting numbers from the Market University Law School poll. And, and it, I, I always explain to folks people ask me a lot of times what, what I think is going to happen. And then I say, do you really want my, you want me to, you really want to know what I think is going to happen, not what I want to happen, but what I think is going to happen. And they say, "Yeah." And then that's not really what they want, because then I tell them, and it's not what they want to hear. And then they start arguing with me about why it's wrong. And I said, "Look, I, I just you asked me what what I what I think, but it, it is this kind of interesting phenomena that we 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 all think that, or at least we we because we want something to happen, we we think it, it is in fact going to happen. It's it's kind of the yard sign theory. If if you see a bunch of Eric Bilstadt for Congress, you know, um, Yard signs in your yard, in your neighborhood. And you say, Oh my gosh, everybody in my neighborhood, all I see is Bill Stat yard signs. You think Bill Stat's going to win. And then you're surprised when, you know, Bill Stat loses by 25 points on election day. And so how, he had all the yard signs. Well, he had all the yard signs in your particular neighborhood. There's this whole universe that's out there that has different stuff. Here's the thing that I think is interesting. So they, they do the Marquette Law School poll and they ask, you know, people, you know, who are you going to vote for? Get this. Um, 80% of the people who are voting for for Trump expect him to win 80% of the people who say they're voting for Biden expect him to win <laughs> so but it, so it's it 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 is it's this interesting phenomenon that's there it's like okay this is my guy so my because I support him, my guy is is going to win. And sometimes, you know, that, that happens. But a lot of times, it, it's a lot more complicated than that. And sometimes you have to, like, step back and have this bigger picture about there, about, it's not just, you know, what's going on in your mind, or it's not just what's going on in your friends' minds, or it's not just going on in, you know, what you see in the TV ads, or what you see at the different rallies. Sometimes you have to uh, take go back. 16% of likely voters expect Trump to win by a lot. 23% think he will win by a little 29 percent think biden will win by a little 17 percent say he thinks he will win by a lot again the, the same group of people that you know and again it's it's just influenced by i think how strongly do you support president trump how strongly do you support um joe biden the other interesting thing about the marquette university law school poll is they they try to adjust for voter turnout you know assuming you know what what happens what happens if a lot of people turn out what happens if um, a bunch of people turn out, but not as the, the top level of the model? And, and what? And th- by the way, that's what a lot of political scientists do. You know, you can break it down among who are the most likely to vote to the point that you can say, okay, if the voter turnout is 40%, we think these are what the numbers are going to be. If it's 50%, if it's 60%, and those numbers change. They say that even adjusting for turnout, they, they believe that the that Joe Biden still holds uh, a couple-point lead over uh, President Trump. Bottom line is we will know for sure, hopefully, a week from today.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: One final note about the Marquette University Law School poll four years ago in their final poll taken a week before the election. They had Hillary Clinton up on Donald Trump by six points, and and we know how that turned out. This year, um, they have Joe Biden up on Donald Trump by five points. So I, I just I bring that out there. It's not a prediction, and as I have been arguing and i know some of you don't like to hear it but but elections are different Tw- the 2016 election is was much different than the 2020 election and and simply assuming that the same sort of stuff is going to happen in the last couple of days that that happened 4 years ago I, I think that's a mistake but for for those people who are um looking for i don't know to if you're a biden supporter and you're looking to be worried well, you know, Hillary Clinton was up by six in their, la- in their last Marquette Law School poll, and she ended up losing. Biden is up by five. If you're a Trump supporter looking for encouragement, you don't believe the polls, well, again, you- you've got that number that's out there. We'll know. We will know, um, hopefully, by this time next week. All right. I find this to be an extremely interesting story. Uh, yesterday, the abbreviated Major League Baseball season came to an end. Dodgers beat the Tampa Bay Rays four games to two. All right. In the middle of the game, the Dodgers' third baseman, a guy named Justin Turner, if, if you watch baseball, he, he's very, very identifiable. He's got a huge, bushy red beard. In the middle of the game, he's pulled out. He's pulled out in in the seventh inning. And the reason he's pulled out in the seventh inning is because a, a, a coronavirus test that he had taken earlier in the day or before the game has now come out as positive. So he tests positive. Now, Major League Baseball, to their credit, they were able to, you know, get through the season. And I was surprised. I, I admit I was wrong on this. I, I thought Major League Baseball, I thought you'd have huge outbreaks of COVID-19 with the players traveling and stuff. They were pretty much able to to get through the, the season with very, very few problems compared to what it could have been. And, and now they, they've been in this bubble. Uh, you know, the it's not like they were traveling back and forth. The World Series games were all played in Texas. But somehow... Uh, Justin Turner tests positive, and it's during the game. So keep in mind now he's been in the dugout, he's been on the field, he's been interacting with players. So after the positive test, they pull him out, okay? And presumably they isolate him. The Dodgers go on to win the game. And then what happens after you you win win a game? Well, people, especially the World Series, you celebrate, have this big party. Everybody runs out on the field and people jump up and down and everybody's hugging each other and they're patting each other on the back and they're congratulating everybody because they're the champions. We've all seen these celebrations. Well, interestingly enough, Justin Turner, the guy that was pulled out in the sixth or the seventh inning because he tested positive, For coronavirus he's out on on the field he's out there partying and celebrating with with his his players with the other players he's posing for pictures not wearing a mask or anything like that our number is 855-616-1620 that's the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line I, i have to admit this whole thing struck me as being absolutely surreal to me This is sort of like, it's sort of like the parents whose kids have a 102 fever and are coughing up a lung and are sweating profusely, and you send them to school anyways because, well, you you don't want to worry about, you don't want to worry about you not being able to go to work or whatever, and if the kids go and they infect a bunch of people, you know, who cares? It's... I think, you know, we do, regardless of how you feel about different sort of measures and stuff. When people are sick, when people know they have it, when people know they've tested positive at that point in time to do anything other than to quarantine yourself is, to me, just the height of irresponsibility. And to have the Dodgers, this Dodger player with the the blessing of the team running out on the field and celebrating with them after he's tested positive. Now, I understand you can make the argument, well, if he's infected them, he's already infected them because he's been around them. He's been in the locker room. He's been on the field. He's been in the dugout. But now, you know for sure the guy has tested positive and he's out partying and celebrating with the rest of the team. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, regardless of of how big a deal you think COVID-19 is, When somebody has tested positive and then they decide, well, I want to go out and I want to put myself in this group setting, to me, it is just the height of irresponsibility. And if I was Major League Baseball, I'd be getting ready to find the Los Angeles Dodgers a boatload of money. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Irresponsible or what's the big deal? The season is over. You know who who cares about this so everybody else might get it it it's it's a celebration they won the world series 8556161620 we discuss next
0: back to take your calls here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner
1: 8556161620 Jeff I have a conspiracy theory Major League Baseball knew before the game that Turner was COVID-19 positive with a strong possibility that other Dodgers would test positive as well they didn't want to postpone their World Series 10 to 14 days they let Turner play Now I, I again that, that's sort of an interesting thing but imagine imagine what would have happened if for example Tampa had won that game, and then it turns out that Turner attested positive and he'd exposed a variety of his teammates. Yet, you, can you imagine postponing the World Series for, you know, two weeks or three weeks when there was one game left to play? Now, I, again, I don't buy into the conspiracy theory necessarily, but it is interesting. Jeff, I believe that he should be suspended for some games starting next season and find, along with the Dodgers organization, it, you needed to send a message to the rest of the teams and the players. Um, um, let's see, Jeff. Pro athletes are just as ignorant as the rest of the general public. Happens at workplaces all over the place, but I feel fine. Well, in, in this particular case, though, it, it wasn't a question of feeling fine. You knew the guy. He knew he had tested positive. They've got these protocols, and yet he, he's out there in the middle of the, the with the players. And in addition, it's not just the players. There's all sorts of other people. There's photographers. There's all sorts of other people that are out there. There's other Major League Baseball employees not associated with the Dodgers. I just thought, I mean, if you're going to have these different protocols, I I I think you need to follow them. But secondly, this is a case, like I say, where the guy knows he has it. And that's what struck me as being so irresponsible. If you know you have it, It seems to me that you have an obligation to take it upon yourself to quarantine yourself. And and look, I get that he was with the players for the balance of the game and beforehand. And if, if he's spreading it, he's probably already spread it. I understand that. But that's kind of like saying... Oh, my kid just, uh, my kid was at school yesterday with the 102 fever and um, he tested now positive for COVID. I'm going to send him back another day because he was already with all those people yesterday. You you just, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Chuck on the South Side. Chuck, you're on WTMJ.
3: Jeff, for once, I agree with you 100%. And what I was telling you now, sir. How can this guy get away with it? We've been bitching about Donald Trump and him and his big crowds doing this, and he's not doing nothing. And then you got an athlete that's supposed to show dignity and, uh, and show everything that everything's okay, and then he goes
4: and spreads it. Well,
1: we, we don't, don't know this.
4: Well, we don't,
1: we don't know that,
4: that. He it with-
1: Right. Go, I mean, Chuck. Well, okay. I mean, look. He, we don't know that he. he we don't know he spread it. I guess I, I understand. Everybody wants to see everything through the prism of President Trump, and it, it's just. I, I, th- this isn't a Donald Trump situation. This is a professional athlete who tests positive, and instead of saying, "Gosh, I, I've test positive," I'm I'm getting out of the dugout. I'm I'm going. Home. I'm going back to the hotel or whatever, and there'll be plenty of time for me to celebrate and interact with my teammates. He just decides I, I'm just going to ignore all this, and the Dodgers are apparently cool with that. And the, you know, it is interesting. He's sitting next to in the team picture they take. He's sitting next to the manager, who by the way is a cancer survivor. I mean, if if I were related to the manager, you know, and I was saying, okay, you have this guy that knows he has COVID, and it, there's no question about it. He's tested positive, and he's sitting next to somebody who's again a cancer survivor I, I got to admit I, I I think if I were the family members of the manager I'd be going what is he doing next to you even though you already have interacted with him and I understand there's a chance that he might have spread it and Look, and, and hopefully nobody else gets sick I, I get it but to me we, we can argue about how much we should lock ourselves in. And I understand that there's people who, again, some people don't feel comfortable coming out of their basements. Fine, I understand that. I understand that there's some people out there who just say, you know, what the heck, I, I'm just going to let, let, it's going to be God's will, and I'm just going to live my life perfectly normal. To me, I, I think... I think the the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle, and it depends on your personal circumstances and who you are around in your life and all those things. But I would hope that the one thing we could all agree on is once you test positive, once you know you're sick, you should be immediately quarantining yourself to not further expose people, even if you've already been around people. It's kind of like... I don't know if you're in a in a workplace and you know somebody gets a test result that finds out at at noon they're in a workplace and oh you've just tested positive well you don't stay at work for the rest of the day because well I've been there all morning no you 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 go home and you quarantine yourself don't you Mike in Milwaukee Mike you're on WTMJ hey Jeff how you
4: doing
1: good what do you think it's a tough one
4: um, it's as I was telling your um, screener it's like. There's been a lot of emotion, obviously. It's game six of not just, you know, any series, it's the World Series. It's been a crazy year. Um, I don't understand how they didn't know this before the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems very bizarre after six innings, the polar guy, one of your star players, who's been with the team, by the way, for a very long time, been through some heartbreak seasons, and now you're, they're going to tell him, hey, you got to leave. Now that probably was hard enough for him to do. Um, and... In an ideal world, yeah, he would have said, you know what, I tested positive, I quarantined. The Dodgers would have said, yeah, you know what, I'm sorry, you can't go out there. There is so much emotion involved in winning that World Series, I would imagine, that that would be very hard to say. They probably did think to themselves, oh, well, he's already been out there. He's already, you know, been around everybody. That might not be correct, uh, but it's – there's I don't know, it'd be very – so much emotion, it's so hard to do the right
1: thing sometimes. Let me let me go back to what you said at the beginning, because a couple of our texters have that conspiracy theory as well. If he had tested positive before the game and had exposed a lot of his teammates, there'd be all sorts of testing, etc., and a possibility that the World Series could have gotten delayed. Do you think Major League... Are, are, could, could you see some truth to that conspiracy thing, that baseball knew about this before the 6th or 7th inning and just didn't want to have the World Series disrupted?
4: Yeah, I thought about that. Um, if it is true, that would be the height of your responsibility on the part of Major League Baseball, the Dodgers, and everyone involved because it's knowing ahead of time. Um, I'm yeah. not sure about that, but it does seem bizarre that after 6 innings you're going to tell a guy, Oh, now you tested positive. You got to come out of the game. <laughs> yeah. that I, protocol
1: should already be in place. I, I mean, thank I, I no. I I agree with you that 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 is one of the weird things that you know. In the aftermath of this, I, I do think it's going to be fair to ask Major League Baseball to explain how, how do you get these test results in in the middle. I mean, don't you? If if there's any sort of question about this, you would think that you would hold the player out while you know while, while you're trying to get to the bottom of this. Now again, I I don't want to go too far down that route because to to me at least the bigger immediate story is what are you doing letting the guy back on the field and what's he doing running, you know, back on on the field? All all and look, I've never been a part of a World Series winning team and I understand it's a big deal and I understand that you don't want to, you know, deprive him of his ability to celebrate with his teammates, but candidly, I guess If it were me, the last thing I want to do is get my my teammates, my co-workers, these people that I've spent the whole season with, last thing I want to do is is get them sick. And I understand you've been around them all day, but once you know you're positive, if you go back there, you pretty much say, okay, maybe you got lucky you were around me all day and you didn't get sick, but here, I'm back for a second round. Height of irresponsibility also... Um, if if we're trying to convince people that, you know, one of the keys to trying to beat the coronavirus is quarantines. And by the way, I, I'm I'm a big believer in that. I'm not a big shutdown guy, but I am a big believer in isolation and quarantine and contact tracing for people who test positive. This is the worst example period you could set, and I guess it's just another reason to hate the Los Angeles Dodgers. Back with more in just a minute. <laughs> And this is Jeff Wagner. Election Day, less than a week away, and WTMJ is the only place for the best election coverage in the Badger State. Join us Tuesday night for Decision Wisconsin, the 2020 general election. John McCure, Eric Bilstadt, and experts around the country give you the results and analysis as the votes are counted. It's Decision Tuesday night, starting at 8 o'clock. Here on WTMJ, here's a text. Jeff, enough of the baseball conspiracy theories. There would have been a whistleblower already. Okay, let, let me stop. And, of course, we're talking about the, the, the conspiracy theories that are out there about, you know, did, did baseball know about this? And did they just not want to have a situation where a bunch of people might have been exposed and have to quarantine and then you have to delay the World Series with a game or two left? But anyhow, the, the texture says there would have been a whistleblower already. Well, stop. Wait a second. R- remember the Houston Astros cheating scandal from a year or two ago, the the thing where apparently they they had, they were, you you had the the video guy that was getting the signals from the opposing team's catcher and then relaying that to the clubhouse and then they were sending signals to the batters so the batters knew whether it was a fastball or a curveball or something like that and they had this elaborate thing where the players were like banging baseball bats and stuff like that and okay, there, there was a whistleblower but the whistleblower didn't come out for about two years after the fact so there's this massive cheating scandal that houston was able to pull off and they were able to get away with it for a while so i you know i look i I'm, I'm not going down that route. I, I mean, I, I have no idea what ended up happening, even though there are some suspicious things there. But this idea that, oh, it would have been exposed. There would have been a whistleblower. Well, you know, things move slowly in baseball. All right. Here's the text that continues. Also, I don't blame Justin Turner at all for celebrating with his team. Like, okay. See, now he's just tested positive. All right. Uh, life has to go on. And furthermore, I don't think the team should be fined in any way, shape, or form. The season was over. Well, okay, that, that's all well and good. But what about all the other people that were on the field who didn't necessarily know that he had tested positive? The photographers, the Major League Baseball employees, the grounds people, all those type of things. No, I'm sorry. If you, if you know that you have COVID-19, and you are not quarantining yourself, I think it is the height of your responsibility. And my guess is Major League Baseball would tell you that, and the NFL would tell you that, and the NBA would tell you that. This was just a situation where, at best, it was incredibly selfish. At worst... It was dangerously irresponsible, you know, or or maybe somewhere in between. But it's certainly not a great note to end uh, this baseball season on. Okay, when we come back in the next hour of the program, we're going to be talking about prisons. We're going to be talking about recalls. We're going to be talking about a lot of other things as well, including a reach out to what is described as the true silent majority. I want to talk to you. I will explain, and we will discuss. Stick around.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you
1: with us. All right, there is the term, it actually goes back to the Nixon years, it's silent majority. And it refers to the the group of people who, who aren't, out there protesting. It refers to, you know, people who who aren't out there screaming on social media necessarily. It's just people who go about their daily lives and they go to work and they come home and they raise their families and they watch the ball games on television and all those types of things and, and, and they vote. But they're, they're not out there loudly proclaiming where there are, and, and they turn into that silent majority. And, and sometimes it's easy to lose the silent majority because they are silent. You know, you... you, you we hear the loudest voices. We turn on the television. You see the people that are wandering, walking down the street and they're holding the signs for this or that or the other. And the, the impression would be, Oh my gosh, that's everybody that's out there. Where the truth is, it's, in many cases, it's a vocal minority, regardless of what the issue is, that there's a silent majority that is in fact out there. Last election, 2016, the sense was that that silent majority were people who were supporters of Donald Trump, who weren't picked up by the polls, who came out and and cast votes for for Trump. All right? Now again, I I always say twenty twenty is a different election than twenty sixteen and just like generals make the mistake of fighting You know, a current war based on what happened in the last war. The worst thing you can do in elections is to run a current election based on what happened in the last election, because a lot of times circumstances have changed. So there I know some people are thinking there's this silent majority that's out there that's not picked up by the polls. And, you know, they're going to come out. They're going to support President Trump. Maybe, maybe not. There, there's another in the New York Times has a has a piece about this, which kind of caught my attention. It at said me thinking about it, that, that there's a theory that in American politics, there's a, another sort of silent majority or almost majority out there. And that is the people that don't vote. Now, to me, th- this is is alien. I have voted in in every presidential election since I turned eighteen. I, I voted in I, I don't want to say I voted in every possible election when I could, but I voted in almost every one. Now there there might be some obscure primary where there was no competition in any sort of meaningful race that I, I skipped. But in general I think if you go back and look, I have I've voted for every in every presidential race. I voted in every gubernatorial race, um, always for Congress, always for Senate. I, so I, I am a regular voter. If you poll me and say, how likely are you to vote? Now, I've already voted this year, but how likely are you to vote? I'd be one of those people that would be in the category of extremely likely to vote because I've always voted. That is what I do. I know, though that there are a lot of people out there who aren't going to vote. Now, I don't know what the overall turnout is going to be in in this election. Is it going to be 50 percent? Is it going to be 48 percent? Is it going to be 52 percent? Is it going to be 55 percent? I don't know. But one of the things I do know is that there's going to be a large chunk of people out there who are going to not vote. And despite It's not that they don't know that there's an election going on. It's not that they couldn't go down to the polls and cast a vote. It's not that they don't have a photo ID allowing them to vote. It's not that they don't have a mailing address or couldn't get a ballot. It's just that they are making the decision not to vote. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This may very well be the other Silent majority or silent significant minority that's out there people who just make the decision that they're not going to vote And if you're listening to this show and I look look I understand if if you're listening to the show regardless of what your politics are Chances are you're really tuned into current events and you're going to run through a wall to vote but I want to talk to Anybody that might be listening who has made the decision that you're not going to vote and I'm not going to try to talk you into voting. It's your choice one way or the other. I am just curious and it is legitimate curiosity as to why. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. If you have decided you're not going to vote, that all these, all these campaign ads, if they're trying to reach you, they're, they're just they're just a waste of time. You are not going to vote all those times. You go to the mailbox and you find all the stuff from all the different candidates that's jamming up your mailbox and you know, giving your postal carrier a hernia, having to carry it around and put it in your box. If you are somebody who has decided that you're not going to vote, my question is, why? That is the Acinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My question is, if you are planning on not voting, if you are going to be one of that perhaps silent majority or significant minority, and lots of people are in that situation. I am genuinely curious as to why. Here's a text. Jeff, I'm voting third party. Do you consider that not voting? No, I consider that to be wasting your vote, but that's a different conversation. Let's start with Richard in Denmark. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
5: Hello. I am trying to say I love your show. I listen to you every day.
1: Thank you. But, but you're, you're calling in because you're considering not voting or you don't think you're going to vote. Correct. Okay, tell me why
5: the biggest reason was for the last 20 30 years every time these political campaigns come out and it's election time from local mayor all the way up to the presidential election you the the campaign ads that they run are so opposite of what they really believe in and they do whatever they want once they get in and you a lot of the local guys and the the congressman and the all the ones from the state, you never hear nothing out of them till it's election time again.
1: So you just think it doesn't so make any difference. How does
5: that, well, how does anybody that's voting know exactly what their person they're voting for believes in when every one of them lies through their teeth? So how do you know what you're voting for?
1: So you're just kind of frustrated with the system. You kind of think that all these politicians, Republicans, Democrats, everybody else, they're all kind of the same, and it really doesn't make that much difference, and you can't trust any of them, so why bother? Is that kind of a fair summary?
5: It's a fair summary,
1: correct. Let me ask you this. Have you ever voted?
5: Uh, honestly, the last time I voted is when Ross Perot ran. That's so, the last time I voted.
1: Okay, so that would be ninety-two. Um <laughs> That would that would have been ninety-two. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. Look, and I, again, I, I'm I am intrigued by the reason. The, the, if, if I, I want to talk to you, if if you think, gosh, I, I shouldn't call up and admit that I'm not going to vote because I'm going to get beat up by that guy on the radio. No, that, that's that is not the purpose of this. I am because you, you get the right. See, I just don't get it because I'm a guy that again I, I vote. Every election. And a lot of times I'm not happy with the choices that we have, but I, I go out and I, and I vote anyways. But that's just me. I know that there's lots of people who don't do it and it's your right to not do it. I, I appreciate that. Just like it's it's your right to vote third party. Again, I, I think that's kind of throwing away your vote, but but that's OK. You have the right to do it. 855 616 Let's talk to Danny in West Dallas. Hi, Danny. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay, are you considering not voting? Oh,
3: uh, more than considering, I'm definitely not.
1: Okay, tell me why. Well, plain
3: and simple, ever since day one, you know, whenever there's a new president elected, I automatically start critiquing them, uh, and then, of course, you know, whatever their opponent is, as time goes through. And, okay, I tried to be a, a Trump supporter for a while and realized... Okay, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. And Biden, I just didn't like almost as much, if not more so. And over time, I just realized both of them, I feel, are complete ignoramuses and don't belong in the office at all. Now, if there was a third-party candidate that I liked, I'd probably vote for them. But unfortunately, there's nobody that I'm really seeing popping their head up
1: on. Danny, when was the last time that you voted?
3: You know, I have to laugh. Same thing as the last caller. I voted for Perot.
1: Okay, so you haven't voted for you haven't voted for president. You haven't voted for governor. You haven't voted for Senate. You just you flat out you have not voted for anything since Perot ran in ninety two against uh, Clinton and uh, President Bush. Pretty much, yes. Interesting. Oh, thank, thanks for calling again. I, I I find it I find it interesting I, that that you do it, and I and I guess I understand. I look I, I guess first of all i'm I'm not quite as cynical as some people are maybe it's just because i've had an opportunity over the years to to get to know a lot of people that are in politics and there there's there's some good it's like any it's like any business there there's really good people and then there's really bad people and there's really smart people and there's really dumb people it it's it, there's a microcosm of things that that are out there and I guess i'm not cynical enough to say gee I, I think everybody's a crook and everybody's a, a liar which isn't to say that sometimes politicians don't disappoint you. 855-616-1620. If you're not voting, I'm curious. Let's talk to uh, George in Oshkosh. George, you on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Yes, good afternoon. Hi, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. So you're not voting this year? I, I'm not voting for sure. I didn't vote last election. I didn't like either candidate on a personal level, and that's one way to vote. Mm-hmm. I don't, neither party resonates with me anymore because I'm a, I'm a 62 year old Rockefeller moderate Republican, and there's not uh,
1: many of you, know, you around, see. George. There's not many of you around anymore. I don't think. No,
6: yeah. there's not. I don't have a party to vote for. I mean, I don't. I used to vote Republican because I wanted Republicans to fill all the administration, you know, seats that they have to do, and uh, I didn't particularly care who the presidential candidate was. I voted Republican, but I don't even recognize this Republican Party anymore. Um, And there's no real single issue that I feel strongly about, which is yet another way to vote. Uh, so I'm not voting. <laughs> L-
1: okay. again? Well, uh, well, let me ask you. Politics. Oh, so let me ask you the question I asked the, fl- the first couple callers. When was the last time you did vote? Obama. Okay. So when he ran for reelect? So that would have been 2012. Correct. Okay. Good enough. Thank, thanks for coming. No, I, I, I. You know, it's interesting. I also know that there's a lot of people who are just disaffected. By that, I mean they're just. They're just discouraged with the the process and you know thought let's see that I mean sometimes that, that happened. I, I think when Barack Obama ran in two thousand eight, that was a situation where you, you saw a lot of people who had not voted before who got excited about voting and I mean particularly in the the you know among persons of color and I, I get it it's the idea that there's there's somebody other than an older white male that that's, has a chance to run the country i mean I, I understand that and you had that enthusiasm and then that kind of faded i think a little bit for 2012 and it faded a lot for 2016 bottom line of this is that you know you you have the right to do whatever i do think i I do think one of the challenges for both parties moving forward once we get once we get past next tuesday and you start looking forward to future elections, and there's going to be plenty of time to do that. I do think one of the challenges that both parties are going to have is how can we craft messages that are going to resonate not just with the people who might have come into the process because they, they don't like Donald Trump or they didn't like Hillary Clinton or whatever, but what about the other people that are out there who are you know making the decision that they're they epox on everybody's houses they, they don't you know they don't think politicians speak. To them they don't think it makes any difference the challenge moving forward is going to be how the political parties come up with issues that attract those, those people. And th- does this mean the country takes a, a decided turn to the left, where the way you bring people in is by, like, well, let's, let's move towards more of a socialist thing where the government takes care of you from cradle to grave, or do you, do you go the opposite route? That's going to be one of the interesting things that we try to figure out moving forward after next Tuesday's election.
0: Back for more, here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is All Right Home and Remodeling. When you want it done right, call All Right, 414-353-6910, or find them at allrightremodeling.com. You know, w- one other comment on, on the election. It's sort of an interesting thing, and I brought this up. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Wagner 620 And it is, it's one of the things, gee, how, it's how interesting... Depending on whose ox is being gored, by that I mean depending on which side of the political aisle you're on, about how you get upset about things. In years past, we have heard relentlessly about the impact of dark money and out-of-state contributors people who give large amounts of money and how they try to influence elections and, and typically you, you've heard a lot of coverage about that when it's it's been conservative donors oh you know you you have you have the Koch brothers and they're giving all this money and this is so evil and you have the, the Las Vegas casino magnate who gives all this money and this is evil and we've got to get dark money out of politics well okay that, that's all well and good but you notice there haven't been a lot of stories in Wisconsin or actually nationwide about dark money this year. Has the issue gone away? Well, well, no, actually not. And I sent out this tweet. Again, if you follow me at Jeff Wagner 620, if you look at the top 10 donors to political parties in Wisconsin in 2020, all right, or over the last election cycle, the top 10 donors, Interestingly enough, and this I think explains a lot if you're wondering why there hasn't been more attention paid to this. Interestingly, this time around, of the top 10 donors to the political parties in Wisconsin, eight out of the 10 are Democrat donors. So eight out of 10 of the largest donors that are putting money in, they're supporting Democratic candidates. In addition, this is something fascinating to me as well. Of those eight Democrat donors in the top ten, six of the eight, no significant ties to Wisconsin at all. It's all out-of-state money that's coming in. Biggest donor, uh, $2.8 million, a woman named Carla Jurvetson, who is a political activist from the Silicon Valley. Second person, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, 2.5 million to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. The next two are Republican donors. And then after that, it's all Democratic donors. Reed Garrett Hoffman, um, who's a co-founder of LinkedIn, He's, uh, $750,000 to the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Um, Elise Lawson, um, she is a surgeon, um, out of Madison. So she's got a tie there. A uh, Sage Weil, $540,000. He's, um, let's see, a software engineer from Madison. So those are those two. And then after that, George Soros, 490000 Stacy Stacey Herzing, who's a California, uh, lives in California and, um, Robert Price, a San Diego native. So uh, it's just funny to me that you have all this conversation, some election times about dark money. This year, we're not hearing any of it. And part of it is because it's mostly going to the liberals, and it's mostly coming from out-of-state liberals. But that's apparently not a story this year, whereas if it was the Koch brothers, well, you know, it would be the headlines. The hypocrisy of all this is just screaming. If you want to follow me and see the names, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Wagner 620 with the breakdowns.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I believe that if somebody was asking me how many inmates in the Wisconsin prison system out of the, I'd say, the, the 22,000 at the start of this, and they've released about 2,000. Out of the 22,000, how many have died? And the numbers I have are three. Now, again, that, and at least in two of the cases, it's people that had, again, a lot of these underlying health conditions. But but it's it's three deaths due to COVID nineteen. Now there, there's been I think you know, going on two thousand people who've tested positive, and I my sense is that the vast majority of those have recovered. But but obviously as COVID continues to spread through the general population, I think it's only reasonable to anticipate that COVID is going to you know, spread through the prison population as well. Now, we, we don't know everything there is to know about immunity, but of course, people who've gotten it over the course of the last several months um, presumably have a degree of immunity that's going to last for at least a little while. Bottom line of all this is if, if you have somebody who is, I guess, eligible for or appropriate for some form of, of compassionate release and is due to be released in the next couple of months. Right? Maybe that's the person that you look at. However, however, to just say, oh, we're, we're concerned about COVID, um, a situation where the overwhelming majority of people who get it are going to recover from this. And people who aren't in, particularly people who aren't in the, those age categories or the underlying health conditions that make them most susceptible to a bad outcome. I think the idea of just opening up the prison system and releasing three, four or 5,000 people just makes no sense to me at all for a lot of reasons. First of all, um, where are the prisoners going to go? I, I think even the people that are pushing for release would acknowledge that, in most cases, it, you, we just don 't open the doors and just walk out of, of the prison. What happens is you get placed in other places like group you know a, a transitional period, which is like a group home or i don 't know a shelter or something else, so you 're still going to be around other people in that type of group sort of setting. Or you're, you're going to go home. And, you know, in most cases, my guess is if there is a home to go to, you're, you're going to again be running the risk that you're going to be exposed to COVID in that situation. So bottom line is, I I think the prisons need to do everything they possibly can to follow the protocols and try to minimize outbreaks as best they can. But the idea of letting just a ton of people go free, um, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, Jeff, let's see. Inmates have immediate access to health care. Once tested positive, they are continually monitored and treated. If you really care about their well-being, you should not release them early. That makes no sense to me. And I, I mean, I guess I, I agree. You know, in the prison sort of system, at least you're making sure that people are able to get treated they have access to health care they have access to the meals you just turn them loose on the streets or put them in a in a group housing situation doesn't seem like that's the best option um jeff jeff i think you should release inmates with only a year or two left on their sentence the majority of inmates have learned their lesson and have been rehabilitated by that point well yeah okay good good luck with that when somebody who's you know doing I don't know, three years for battery or auto theft or burglary, and they're within a year or two, so they've served half their sentence. You let them out, and then they go rob another store or break into somebody's house and tell the victims there that they have been rehabilitated. Um, Jeff, once the virus sweeps through the prison facility, they're immune. Why would we let them out? Well, what you do is you would try to identify the people who are most vulnerable and then look at the people who are the very closest to being eligible for release, and and maybe on an individual basis consider that. But And I I suspect that's what they've done. Like I say, they've released about 2,000 people out of 22,000 since the pandemic started. But appropriately so, the governor is reluctant to start making mass releases of people because he understands that the consequences of that could be extremely bad. Back with more in just a minute. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Um, It's just another bloodbath on on Wall Street. Uh, The Dow Jones Industrial Average down about 3%. It's down 821 points. The NASDAQ down 361 points. That's 3.16%. And again, just like yesterday or, or two days ago, there's no... There's no one factor that is driving it other than what I would describe as pandemic fatigue and pandemic frustration. I think uh, there's a concern that the United States or at least individual states might be looking at other sort of massive shutdowns, which will cripple, if not destroy certain segments of the economy. And investors are frustrated about that and the general sense that, that people have that, there's no end in sight whether Donald Trump is reelected a week from now or, or Joe Biden is elected a week from now. As I was saying at the start of the show, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a tweet, you know, Anthony Fauci doing an interview on Australian TV saying, well, I don't think we're going to have normalcy probably till 2022. Um, and, of course, I was thinking, okay, well, even if you believe that, I'm not sure why you, you need to, to say that at this point in time, especially since you, you might easily change your mind on that in a couple weeks. But I I think people look at this and they say, Oh my gosh, you know, are we going to be going through this for another 13 or 14 months? And how many people's businesses are going to destroyed and how many people's livelihoods are going to be destroyed and how many people aren't going to be able to see their, their families for, you know, another year? I, it just, I think it's all that going in and it's weighing heavily on the national psyche. And I think that's, that's again playing out with just another, Abysmal day in the stock market. And you just wonder, you know, what kind of stuff is going to turn that around? Now, I know there's some cynics out there who think that, you know, once Joe Biden is elected, if he wins on Tuesday and he's the president-elect on Wednesday, the, the clouds are going to part and everything's going to be good. And, and if, if that's the case, that's, that's fine. I never root against American. I certainly don't root against the economy and jobs coming back. And, and if, if that happens, that, that's great. I just, I I seriously wonder, I mean, I'm not hearing too much from Joe Biden. It's really different than what President Trump is talking about, other than it's just it's a matter of emphasis and a matter, perhaps, of of empathy. Speaking of of the vote, uh, again, we talked about this yesterday in greater length. But the bottom line is there's over a million people in Wisconsin who have already voted via the absentee route. That is. Either absentee you've gotten your ballot in the mail you've put a stamp on it you've sent it in or you've walked to one of the drop boxes if they have those in your area and you put it in the drop box or you've brought it back to City Hall or like my wife and I you've actually gone down to City Hall and you've you've voted in person but done it in what they call the in-person absentee thing you vote you put it in the envelope you give it to the people All right. I just want to emphasize once again, because there was confusion caused by a ruling that a federal judge came out with uh, about a month ago. The the way it stands now and the way it will be through this election is that your absentee ballot to be counted must be received by the time the polls close at eight o'clock next Tuesday. So what that means is. It, it's not a question of postmarking. If you if you take your your ballot that you've got, your absentee ballot that you've received, um, and, and you've been sitting on it, and you haven't filled it out, and you decide on, on Sunday that you're going to put a stamp on it, I'm, some of them come pre-stamped or whatever, you're going to drop it in the mailbox, that may very well not be received. It's your obligation to make sure that your ballot gets to where it's supposed to go before the polls close on monday that's why um, nationwide lots of officials are saying if you haven't mailed your ballot in by now what you should do is you should drop it off in person because well one of the stories that i'm looking at the headline is battleground state officials say it's too late to mail ballots and they encourage hand delivery now i don't know if it's it's too late but you're 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 leaving a lot to chance because, and this isn't a criticism of the postal service at all, but, you know, if you, if you mail it today, it's Wednesday, you put it in a mailbox, you know, m- maybe the mail doesn't get picked up till tomorrow at the mailbox that you've used. So the mail c- carriers aren't going to get it until Thursday. And then, you know, who knows how busy they are? Who knows if it's going to be there. So the bottom line is, if you have one of these absentee ballots that you, you haven't sent off already, if you decide to put it in the mail, it may very well not get there. So, I mean, I I concur with this advice. To the extent possible, I would encourage you if you have one of those absentee ballots to take it to one of those drop boxes if they have them in your area. Or alternatively, take them down to your, your municipal clerk or city hall or wherever it is, wherever you drop off ballots and drop it off to make sure that your ballot gets counted. Because at this point in time, if you're leaving it up to dropping it in a mailbox over the next couple of days and hoping it's going to be delivered in time, well, you're, you're taking a risk. So if you want your vote to count and you're going to go through all the trouble of voting, make sure it does count. And that does mean if you've waited this long, it, it's, it's not that you can't mail it because you can. But it might not get there, and then you're going to only have yourself to blame. So take that extra step. Get it where it's supposed to go. Make sure your vote counts. All right. When we come back, a lot of stuff coming up in the last hour of the program. We're going to be talking about the Badgers. We're going to be talking about recalls. We're going to be talking about schools, and we're going to be talking about Halloween. Stick around.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, I had an experience this morning which reminds me how we,
1: we take things for granted. Mm. So, um, get up, get ready to do the show, go in, take a shower, get dressed, and I, I was about a third of the way through my, my show prep, and I, I my, my wife's you know, she's still in bed sleeping, and I am take the dog out for a walk, and then I'm, I'm upstairs getting ready in, in my office and stuff, and all of a sudden, the lights flicker, the lights go off, the computer goes off. Oh. Lose power at the house. And uh, and then you you know it's one of these things where you wait for a couple seconds and you're hoping it come back on mm-hmm. and then it doesn't come back on and you know it's not coming back on for yeah. a while. So I'm I'm on the cell phone and I'm reporting the power outage to WE Energies and I I it's I mean the first thing we find out which I guess is a good thing. Is it's not just our house. It's that's a, good. Yeah. It there was, and and actually they have a pretty good service that's out there because you know I I I send a text on my cell phone mm-hmm. and I report it and then they they contact you pretty quickly. You can you can see that there's in in the neighborhood I lived in there were like fifteen hundred customers that were out of power.
2: I've had so, to do that at like two in the morning before, right. and they are very quick.
1: Right, and so they, yeah. they and then then I I'd say about a yeah uh, about an ou- an hour after the the outage happened i get a i get a recorded call and they say well what's happened is there there's a tree that fell down and it it, it, it hit some of our equipment we're working on it and the power will be restored by 10. now in in the interim that doesn't help me because i had to go to work so i i kind of leave early and say to my wife sorry honey (laughs) i gotta go go, i gotta go so hope 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 it doesn't get too cold in here and hope everything is okay but it for for the like the 20 minutes that i'm putzing around the house it's just it's it's amazing how we depend on all this stuff. Oh, I'm going to go make a cup of coffee to go. Oh, I can't because the coffee maker's yes. not working. Um oh uh, here, let me, let me go into my closet because I want to get something out of it. Let me flick on the light. Oh, the light's not working. I mean, it's, it's like one thing after another. You know what?
2: It always amazes me. And this, this is maybe just me and it's just silly, but my whole life, whenever the lights go out, I'm always amazed that the toilet still flushes and like everything else works. But you know, they're not attached to electricity. Well,
1: well but... no, no, no. Be careful. Oh. Be careful, my friend, because. Um, it, where I live, it's not because we're on city work, mm-hmm. you, but you talk to <clears throat> people who live in rural areas where it's a well. Yeah, that's oh, that's probably that's, true. It, it, oh, it's definitely yeah, true. For, you you get one flush,
2: <laughs> you one flush, and that's it. And then you're yeah, with, you, a, with a bucket. Or well, something. you, you <laughs> right,
1: you get right, you get you get you get one you get one flush because you know it's 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 an electric pump point. that drives yeah. that. No, no, if you're on if you're in city, you're you're right. That's a, that you can at least do that. But but so then it's it's funny, and I, I really hated leaving my wife with this, but I had to come to work and get ready, and it was kind of like then what happens is inevitably when the power comes back on, it, it's a matter of going around and not just resetting clocks, but it's okay did the wireless internet come back did, did all this stuff go there and i think it's all worked out kind of well but again i i spent 10 minutes and then i'm mad at myself i spent 10 minutes i know the power's out here i'm gonna make a cup of coffee oh (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's why it's not on. Oh, I'm in my closet. That thing, you know. And then, of course, the garage door. Again, it's one of those things where, all yeah, right, yeah. got to pull that lever down you and stuff like that. You forget about all those things. We, so you,
2: you checked in on your wife. She's okay?
1: She sent me a note saying the power is back on. And it came on when they said it was going to do it. Good. She said everything is fine. So I, I'm going to take her at her word now, inevitably, because... I'm kind of this type A personality. When I get home this afternoon, I'm going to be going through and you yeah. know, checking everything and making sure all the wireless connections are back in, but um, And
2: then you can kind of sit back and relax and be thankful that you have your power back on. Well,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And think about how um a very I think I told the story, a very dear friend of ours, my friend Colleen, who who just got back. She has a place in Gulf Shores and she was down there when that hurricane hit and they were without power for three, four, five days. Uh, I
2: remember you telling me that. You know, That's horrible.
1: And she's... I mean, her, her wow. condo is like on the eighth or ninth floor of a building, so elevators aren't working, so you're walking up and down the stairs, and you the air conditioning, of course, doesn't work, so you've... You know, it just... It, it, right. Well, and Two I wonder how she's doing there.
2: now because Hurricane Zeta is going to be hitting the Gulf she's Coast. She's back as here well. now. Oh, so, <laughs> oh, <good.
1: laughs> she, she sent me a note. She, she got she, smart. She, she she's back here. Well, I think yeah, I think it's going to hit a little bit older, yeah. But she she got back here, so okay. she's back. But so inevitably, it, it is. It's it's one of those problems that you have. But at least I, that's why I, I love We Energies. I think We mm-hmm. Energies uh, does a very very good job. All right, power back, life good. Here's the deal. I want to use this as an opportunity now that the smoke is cleared to talk about something that I think should happen moving forward. Over the last well, two decades, we have seen a lot of use in Wisconsin of the recall procedures. Now let me let me go on record here. Back back in what two thousand one or two thousand two in Milwaukee County, we had the what we call the Milwaukee County Pension Scandal, where you had the then county executive, the late Tom Amitt, and a number of members of the county board who did this, this thing with the pensions for themselves and other county employees, which ended up making many of them rich beyond the dreams of avarice. Now, the story that, that came out once this all broke was, <clears throat> oh, we didn't understand that, that this was going to happen. We, we didn't know that this was going to be the consequence of that, and they tried to blame other people. I, I've never bought into that. I believe that recalls are appropriate when you have public officials and elected officials that engage in what I would describe as malfeasance or misfeasance, which is what I think the recall the the county thing was all about. And that's why I, I supported it used this radio program to encourage people to do it, went out to a couple rallies myself, and and ultimately a number of members of the county board were in fact recalled. The county executive in the face of what would have been a recall resigned, led to Scott Walker becoming the Milwaukee County executive. I I think that was an appropriate situation for a, a recall. Having said that, I think recalls have gotten out of control in this state. The vast majority of states in this country do not allow for the for recalls, particularly recalls of state officials. Uh, Matter of fact, I think let me see, nineteen states can allow recall elections. Nineteen states. So that means you know thirty one thirty one do not. The the recall has been used as a weapon in the state of Wisconsin after Scott Walker got elected in two thousand ten and launched into. Act 10, trying to push things like that, you had the left that was enraged, and you had all this out-of-state money that poured in, and you had all these unions that were organizing, and they, they solicited signatures, and we ended up having a, a recall election that, interestingly enough, um, Tom Barrett... The mayor of Milwaukee he had run against Walker in 2010 and lost he ran again in 2012 in the recall election and lost by a bigger margin in part I think that was because voters just didn't like the process of the recall they thought you know election should have consequences but it cost a ton of money and a, a lot of of angst since then you've had recalls that have been launched at a number of state legislators. For example, let's recall them because they supported Act 10. And most recently, you know, you had an effort to recall Governor Tony Evers. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that I'm not a fan of Evers. I'm not a fan of his policies. I was not a supporter of the recall, though, because, again, I, I believe that elections have consequences, and I don't think it is appropriate to recall people Because you disagree with a policy. You have an election. All right. Your your side lost. Other side won. That person has two years, four years, whatever the term is. Six years in the case of a of a state of a U.S. senator. But whatever. I mean, I think. Though you can't recall federal officials, that's impeachment. But I mean, for the state officials, I think what should end up happening is if you don't like something somebody's done, what you do is, is you mobilize. And then when they come up for election, you, you try to vote them out. Right. But we allow this process to continue. I understand people had, in my opinion, legitimate disagreements with Governor Evers. And I'm not criticizing the recall organizers. What they were doing is they were using the, the law as it's written our number is 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line okay right now the smoke is cleared no ongoing recall against tony evers the walker recalls are well in the past so you've had an effort to recall a democrat you've had an effort to recall a republican both failed you've had some other state officials that have been subject of recall efforts a couple have succeeded against some state legislators others failed I think it's time to change the recall law, and at least on the state level, do away with recalls. There is a process in many states that allows you to impeach an elected official similar to the way that you can impeach a, a president. Um, if you have an elected official, a state assembly person, a state senator, a governor, who engages in that misfeasance or malfeasance or commits a crime, th- there's a way for the legislature to remove them. But I, I think this idea that every time we have citizens on the left, the right, whatever, this isn't a political thing, who get a bug in their bonnet because they, they don't like what somebody who's in office has done, whether it's it's Evers or Walker or or whatever, that okay, here we're going to get people and we're going to get these signatures and we're going to start the recall process. I think elections should matter. 855-616-1620, That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. And and maybe this is a time, right now when we're we're not we're we're not looking at recalls or whatever. Maybe this is a time to say, hey we got to take another look at the law in Wisconsin. Let's start with um, Connie in Greenfield. Connie, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hi.
3: How are you today?
1: I'm well, thank you. What do you think?
3: I think that you're absolutely right as far as, um, as I had stated to the guy when I called in, you know, with with Walker... I didn't like that he got in in the first place. I voted against him. I didn't even think it was legal for what he did, and we were a complete union family, so it really affected us. But in any event, when I all of a sudden just heard that they were even doing a petition thing for Evers, I don't agree with everything Evers is doing either, but I don't agree with a whole lot of things a lot of people are doing, and I just was one of my own selves, you know do you guys vote or you just wait until you get mad and then you start doing recalls because you don't like the person that got voted well, in?
1: Well, right, you know? and, and, you, and or you don't, right. and I mean, thanks to the call, Connie, and you don't like the policy. Now, I mean, it, it's one thing if the person... Again, if if they're doing stuff that's crooked, you know, in the middle of the term, you you have to be able to, I I think, have have some vehicle to remove them. That's why a lot of states have the impeachment process that's there. But if it's just a matter of, oh, Governor Walker got elected and, and he's he's pushing Act 10. We don't like Act 10. So let's recall him based because we don't like Act 10. That's bogus. Oh, well, Tony Evers got elected. We don't like the fact that he was slow to respond to Kenosha, or we don't like the fact that he ordered the shutdowns. I get all those arguments. But, again, those are policy disagreements that you have. And to me, for policy disagreements, you, you cover that by that next election. Uh, Troy in Door County. Door County, you're on WTMJ.
6: Hello. Hi, Jeff. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you with the uh, – recall hysteria that we have right now in our society i heard this morning that there's some school board members in some town are getting recalled because their kids aren't in school and the people aren't happy so you know it just goes on and on um the one thing i would would correct you on a little bit on the scott walker deal is i don't know why he picked on just the teachers union i don't know why he didn't go after well i do know why he didn't go after the police union because he he was afraid they were going to strike so uh, you know that 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 was crooked on his part, and you know he's not around here anymore. And if he is, uh, I heard he's doing really well financially and stuff. But you know he's not in our state, which is big. So well, I uh, kind of my talk Okay, well Troy, well. I
1: mean, I yeah, I'm, again, and I, look, I don't I don't want to read a little. I mean, Act Ten that w- was not a by by exempting some groups. That was not what I'm talking about. About being a, a criminal act. That didn't serve to um, en- enrich Scott Walker the way, say, the pension scandal did. But yeah, it, it's right. You know, you, you've got you've got a like local school board, for example, that that makes a, a decision. We're going to get rid of this nickname, whatever. Okay, um, you, you can argue about it. You can disagree with them. But then when they come up for re-election two years from now or four years from now, you remember that. You mobilize. You vote against them. And I guess I bring this up now because. Maybe in this new legislative session, it's an opportunity that you can get people together and say, maybe we we really need to make some changes here because do we really want to be in a situation where it's a perpetual recall against state legislators, Republicans or Democrats? This is Jeff Wagner.